It's now time for your Election Crimes Bulletin with Greg Pallast. And this is Dennis Bernstein with Greg Pallast. The Election Crimes Bulletin continues because the election crimes uh, continue. And uh, joining us today, along with Greg Pallast, is our special guest, Zach D. Roberts. He is the frontline courageous photographer who's been... Uh, uh, sort of uh, taking aim on the extreme right wing, even as sometimes they tend to take aim on him. So, Greg, welcome back. Zach, Glad to be with you. Back. You're the, the guy is in the news, the guy that we've been tracking for a long time, Ali Alexander, who is the really he's the linchpin. He's the connecting tissue between the old Republican Party and the extreme right-wing violent new Republican Party. Shall we maybe, Zach, give us a little bit of how you met him and uh, what you can tell us about Ali Alexander? Because he's been uh, before the committees now and he's saying some interesting things. He seems to be uh, selling out his brothers and sisters. Yes, because uh, because Zach's the guy who who is uh, the guy who goes undercover, who takes the the blows literally, and it was on uh, before the January sixth uh, riot. Ali uh, Zach was able to get inside a gathering with Alex Jones, Ali Alexander, and uh, the indicted Nick Fuentes, who is a a, a Christian nationalist. And Ali Alexander, um, as we've discussed before, gets up in fr- and he, this is in Georgia because this is where they were fighting to get, you know, if they could overturn Georgia, they could get uh, Trump elected. And they said, we're going to burn. We're going to light this S. And I can't say the word on fire unless they give us Trump. So Jones now, and this Alexander is an, in Atlanta. Already, this is in Atlanta. And we can actually Atlanta. I think Zach is. Is with us now. Are you there? Exactly. Now? Yep, I'm Zach? back. Yep. Okay. Great. Yep. Terrific. So, y- y- why don't you just to, to step back? Uh, Greg was sort of outlining it, uh, but give us more. You know, when you got in there first and met uh, Ali Alexander, what was going on? What was going through your mind? What did you learn in terms of the atmospheric pressure on the ground there in Georgia? Well, I mean, it was um, every other every other week or so there would be a protest that had uh, local militia members. You can open carry uh, AR-15s in Georgia. So literally right on the steps of the Capitol, uh, militia men in full kit with uh, AR-15s, handguns, you know, extra rounds like on their person. Uh, we're holding rallies and participating alongside with Stop the Steal organizers uh, like uh, Scott Pressler and, and Ali Alexander. The first night that I got into uh, Georgia was literally that rally that uh, Greg was, uh, Palast was just talking about. And uh, literally just drove into uh, Atlanta to uh, the, the governor's mansion, parked and uh, ran up and saw Three people who I've known quite well for a while have been covering Alex Jones, uh, Christian fascist uh, Nick Fuentes, who has become unfortunately very well known now, you know, basically advising Kanye West on his supposed presidential campaign. And, uh, of course, Ali Alexander, who is also now, I guess, supposedly um, advising Kanye West. <laughs> uh, he's taken over for other Catholic fascists, uh, Milo Yiannopoulos. Um, and so that was the uh, basically the crowd that was a bunch of very small group of supporters. I think it was mostly 
honestly, a, a couple, uh, a bunch of Reupers, which is Nick Fuentes' people, and uh, a bunch of Alex Jones camera people and kind of hangers on because he had his own kind of caravan thing going on. Uh, and they had just come down from literally driven down. They must have literally, they must have been a couple hours ahead of me, driven down from uh, Washington, D.C., where they had one of the first, uh, there was a million MAGA march where tens of thousands of uh, MAGA supporters, Nick Fuentes' Christian fascist, all the all Oath Keepers, all these different groups. It was one of the real preparation days for what was going to happen um, in, on January 6th, just in a couple weeks. All the same groups were there, all the same people. Um, the Proud Boys were in an enormous mass there. I got actually threatened by one of them <laughs> that was within like an hour of me being on the ground there. But when I was in Atlanta, that was just the, literally the first day and seeing that and nothing really changed after that. It was every couple weeks or every couple weeks there was a, yet another protest. Ollie would come back in a month and uh, hold a rally with uh, a whole bunch of different militias uh, right on the ground that actually swore everyone into the militia that was uh, that was there. It was a very odd scene. Okay. This is Atlanta now you're talking about? Yes, yeah, on the, the steps of the Capitol before it as well. Right. And this uh, was sort of an outgrowth. You picked up this movement in Charlottesville, right? That was sort of the pre-sentiment. That was like the kickoff, if you will, the incredibly violent, uh, pro-Klan, anti-Semitic, uh, pro-fascist rally in Charlottesville. That's sort of where it all opened up, and that's where you came eye to eye with uh, the extreme right wing. You're shooting a camera, and they were shooting, uh, ready to shoot guns. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I always say that actually it was Chris Kobach that brought me into this covering into this world and when we covered Crosscheck back in the day because he he's an anti-immigrant uh, lawyer. <laughs> and so he would run in a lot of these same groups that, uh, that these guys would run in. And then it kind of drifted into uh, covering things like Charlottesville and then uh, Murfreesboro and all these other towns that unfortunately become known by bad things that happen there. And so the ties between... The supposed, as they say, and this is big air quotes that I'm saying around this election integrity um, movement and the extreme far right are it's just the Venn diagram is a full circle. Um, they've oh, it's always something they've been cared about. I mean, Greg was covering it before I even started working for him when back when he had uh, legislators telling Republican legislators telling him that uh, the Democrats were busing tens of thousands of Mexicans across the border to vote for Democrats in New Mexico uh, and uh, in Arizona. And so this sort of insane lot, big lie has been a core tenant of the Republican Party in a lot of states and honestly on the national level, at least since the Bush administration. Um, and anyone that Lynn Cheney or anyone else that tries to tell you otherwise is just lying to you. All right, uh, that's uh, Zach Roberts. He's a photographer. He has been uh, working with Greg Palast, for photographing, putting his life on the line to photograph the extreme right-wing front line. Now, Greg, let's pick mm -hmm. it up with Ali Alexander because he, uh, official Washington, is now very interested in him, and he either has information that's real or made up, but it's if you will, significant either way. You want to talk a little bit about what he's been yes. doing? Yes, well, let's let's put uh, this, let's, let's, it's very important to remind people. We're talking about these guys, Nick Fuentes and Ali Alexander. You're thinking, well, they're they're far fringe people. What do we care? They're not that fringe. No. 
Number one, Nick Fuentes, as you know, just had dinner with Donald Trump. This guy is is an important when he's Zach identifies him as as a Catholic fascist. It's very important to understand that these guys are not just small fringe players. Ali Alexander, when Zach was investigating him in Atlanta at the same time, Zach uncovered, and I want to give him the credit for this, uh, Zach uncovered that he was on the payroll of the Georgia Republican Party and the Republican National Senate campaign. Because remember, there was a runoff at that time with Warnock, uh, Reverend Warnock and John Ossoff. And that was in uh, held January 5, that runoff. So you have to understand the connection between the January 6 riot and the January 5 runoff and the fight over the electoral votes of Georgia. So Ali Alexander was, you know, he's not some fringe rider nutcase. He's a guy who was on the payroll of the national and state Republicans. In addition, he was in constant contact with a guy named Donald Trump, the president of the United States, who was constantly referring to him, by the way, as Sammy Davis Jr. because of his really uncanny, almost twin-like look like Sammy Davis. Um, I think it's a lot of just the mustache, <laughs> but yeah, it's, it's uh, well, it's the clo- it's the, he, he he perfects this deliberately. But the important yeah. thing is yeah. he was dealing with the president of the United States, and in addition, and this is very important. And again, uh, Zach was the center of of the uh, led the investigation. We were able to get the text messages from uh, a group called Women for America First. They were the ones who held the rally at right. the ellipse that. Trump spoke at. And this is very, very important. From the text messages we got, they were trying to stop Ali Alexander from leading a march from the ellipse to the Capitol. Because as one of them told me on background, obviously not attribution, everyone knew what would happen if you simply let a crowd of of thousands of angry people unleash them on the Capitol. You have to understand, Women for America First, very pro-Trump. You know, they wanted to overturn the election, but they wanted to do it legally. They promised in writing, and I have their permit. They have the permit with the uh, with the National Park Service that said, we will not march to the Capitol. That's in big black letters. We will not march to the Capitol. And when the National Park Service was nervous that, that there was advertisements to go to the Capitol, they said, that's not us. That's not true. And they said, this is Ali Alexander who's promoting this. Now, say, well, then what is, uh, so what? So who's this guy, Ali Alexander? The truth is is that Alexander said, and the White House has never contradicted him, that he and Alex Jones, he was co-hosting some of Alex Jones' crazy Infowars shows, that he and Alex Jones were contacted by the White House. Remember, they've been in contact with people like Mark Meadows and stuff. They were contacted by the White House and told to lead the march from the ellipse to the Capitol. Now, Ali Alexander, who just testified to the January 6th committee and his uh, information, his testimony has now been released. He kept saying, well, the White House told us to lead the march to the Capitol, but we were going to lead a peaceful march. But as Women for America First said, because they were on the hook for the li- legal liability and the financial liability, they said, there's no marshals. There's no toilets. It's against the law because, remember, this was in the middle of COVID. You can't have mass meetings in the middle of Washington, D.C., going across the city. Most important, there were no monitors, no police, and no warning that thousands of people were going to descend without any controlling group, without any notice to the D.C. cops, nothing except promises to the D.C. cops this would not happen. And here's the thing. Donald Trump 
personally, the president knew that he was not supposed to lead a march to the Capitol. And yet he gets up on that on that microphone about 1 p.m. on January 6th and says, we're marching to the Capitol peacefully, he adds. But that's a hand waving thing because they we all know. It doesn't take a genius to figure out what happens when you and have an said, uncontrolled mob. I'm going mob to march unleashed. with you. I mean, he said, I'm going to march with you. And that's why it's so believable, the testimony about the battle in the limo, him that's grabbing right. the guy, because he he was he had every intention of leading that freaking rally, and he would have led the hanging of Mike Pence, perhaps. But that well, was his, here's the thing. That was the, what his so people know what you're talking was. about. Uh, the Secret Service said, "My God, it's illegal. We can't. The president. We cannot facilitate. Remember, they are still officers of the United States of America. They cannot legally facilitate the president of the United States committing a crime. So they knew, and it was also they have to protect the physical body of the president, of the presidency. And so they said, we're taking this limo back to the White House. And apparently, the word is, and and no one can, you know, it, it's still controversial." Oh, that literally Trump tried to grab the limo wheel and he was blocked by the Secret Service. And he literally tried to grab the limo wheel to right. turn it to go to the Capitol. He wanted to lead the riot slash march. So it's very important to understand that there were, we have these text messages. If you go to gregpals.com, you'll see the actual text messages saying, oh, my God, Ali Alexander keeps advertising that there will be a march. We've promised the Park Service there will be no march. There cannot be a march. It's dangerous. We have to stop it. Ali Alexander said under oath, which is a complete lie, that he only that he was blocked from getting on the microphone at the ellipse because he was going to tell people we're not marching. But that contradicts his other statement on the air with Alex Jones that he was called by the White House to lead the march. He agreed to lead the march. He went to the parking lot, the parking lot G. Uh, to lead the march, and that's what happened. So the White House directed this illegal march. Again, it's not that the march went out of control. I want people to understand. This is really important. The march did not go out of control. The march itself was the uncontrolled beginning of the riot. Trump knew. Trump knew that it was illegal. It was wrong. The Secret Service tried to stop him, and successfully, literally, the Secret Service had to kidnap our own president to stop him from leading a, a riot on the Capitol. Think about that. And Yeah, and it really is. Uh, again, I can't stress this enough, that the hiring, the paying of Ali Alexander really was, and you guys reported this really yes. early, was really the uh, beginning of the, the deep transformation of the Republican Party into an extreme right-wing a pro-fascist operation, and we can see what's going I mean, it, on in na- now. Who's in control, and what they're asking for? They want the well, borders closed before they'll, they'll they'll let Kevin get his job for a few weeks. Well, there, there's one other thing to understand. When you you say correctly, the Republican Party is split, and it definitely is. But understand who hired Ali Alexander. This is Brian Kemp, the so-called moderate governor of. Georgia, who's been endorsed by the Wall Street Journal for president, who's getting endless praise from the New York Times and the establishment. What they do is they're playing a game. There's those who are publicly ultra right wing, the ones that you see, you know, um, bitch slapping McCarthy for the uh, speakership. 
But the Republican Party as a whole, its officialdom, the Senate Campaign Committee, Brian Kemp, all these so-called moderates think don't think twice about hiring Ali Alexander to bring in his enforcers, his brown shirts, his his freaks as a, quote, get out the vote group, because that's how they see activating their base. So they kind of it's a kind of wink and nod situation. On one hand, they say, oh, those terrible riders. Oh, those terrible super right wing Republicans who are out of control and won't elect the nice Mr. McCarthy as speaker. These are the same people who hired this guy, who used this guy, who used these brown shirts as enforcers, as uh, to bring out their troops and to keep the ultra right wing within the Republican Party because they need them. They want them. That's the real truth. And they create an intimidation force in places like Georgia, where there's still you have to understand there's tremendous problems with intimidation, especially in in minority communities among young people. They are enforcers. And the idea that the Republican establishment is is, you know, yes, they say tisk tisk. We want nothing to do with Ali Alexander except that they hire him. That's what has to be exposed. And, and I want to bring up something else while Zach is here, because Zach covered the remember before the January 6th attack on the Capitol, there were other kind of movements on the Capitol. They didn't break through, but there were prior demos that demonstrations. They're not demonstrations like you and I remember from the war where we were nice people. We're talking about people trying to break into the Capitol, create mayhem. And the question was what Zach was witnessing. And I hope maybe he can jump in here a bit on the cops. There are too many cops who are too solicitous and too suspiciously close to these guys Let's not forget, as the other thing I reported, which did not get picked up, and this is very important, in violation of the police manual and the FBI manual, they did not arrest or stop anyone from leaving the building. These were perpetrators and witnesses, and the FBI and police manuals require that all these people be booked their names taken down, their cell phones taken. That is basic police procedure in any crime in which there is any property damage or violence, and there were people who were dead, and they didn't do it. They let these guys go. Why? Zach, why don't you jump in here? Tell us a little bit more, a background on this, and uh, more about what we should know about these folks going forward, because, again, violence is the word of the day. I mean, one thing one thing you'll notice if you read all eight, over 800 pages of the January 6th report that's really missing is any real discussion about the involvement or lack of involvement uh, yes. of the po- many police forces. There are multiple police forces. There's the Park Police. There's the MPD. There's the Capitol Police. There's Secret Service. There's any number of other agencies that work in D.C. at any given different any different time. The number of people that I've seen uh, on for lefty protests getting arrested by multiple different agencies at one single protest, it's stunning. Um, but for some reason, if the right-wing protests in D.C., that's something I've documented for multiple years. The Proud Boys get escorted throughout the city. That was at, after uh, the uh, January 4th, um, if you remember Donald Trump's big January 4th uh, that he had a couple of years ago. The Proud Boys marched and basically marauded around the city, harassing people and literally getting into fights. And police escorted them and gave them directions and literally fist bumped them as they went as they went into their local bar. And the police chanted, I love beer, because it was during the cat. It was right near the Kavanaugh hearing. I have this. On, <laughs> this is this is well documented. And then 
then just uh, right before uh, COVID hit D.C., you had Patriot Front marching in our street, another fascist organization that marched with police security coming in from Virginia, marching down the, the steps of the, the Lincoln Memorial, and then all the way up to the steps of the Capitol, something I've never seen in my life, an organized protest. And the journalists and other active, the few activists that were there to counter protest were blocked from getting anywhere near Patriot Front allowing allowing them to have their nice little rally so they could get film and that sort of thing for their for their trail trailers and their recruitment videos and also they were wearing they were wearing masks at the time which before covid we have to remember it was illegal in washington dc to wear a mask you would get arrested if you wore a mask but for some reason this group of 30 or 40 patriot front members were able to just march right on through i got body checked to the ground uh, another protester literally with a cane got picked up and thrown at this protest and the patriot front just kind of marched on and they did it they continually do it march for life is coming up in a couple weeks in dc they'll likely show up there and they'll be allowed to march once again even though they're a fascist organization that's been, been arrested in idaho for goodness sake i mean <laughs> idaho police well, uh, and it, zach just to state the obvious zach there was a lot of information a year and a day from today about what was going to go down, about who was involved. But the FBI, which is less than 1% agents of color, uh, 0.03 or something, doesn't really care much and were not uh, aware of how dangerous white races could be. So we saw this. They, they got the go-ahead for January 6th. Almost oh, certainly. I mean, they, the, the, if you look at the uh, messages between the Proud Boys and the Oath Keepers, they were organizing and they knew that they weren't going to have to deal with, uh, they weren't going to have to deal with police in any real way. They knew about this ahead of time. And the fact that, I mean, the FBI knew that there was a, that there was a likely threat happening. I mean, there were articles published about this. There was, there was discussion. This was a commonly known thing within my world of like of research that something was going to ha- something big was going to happen on January 6th. Did we think that they'd actually physically be able to break into the Capitol? I didn't think so because I thought that there would be more than 30 police officers guarding the front door. You would think that, you know, any time that you had a large rally in D.C., the Capitol was was uh, usually on some level, not locked down like you couldn't get into it, but like there was certainly enough guards out there that if the the, the uh, lefty protest went on a, you know, if the uh, Greenpeace protesters went on a, a wild march to the Capitol, there'd be police there to stop them from happening. But for some reason on that day, every single level of police force failed. And I, I, I don't know. I mean, the same thing happened before Charlottesville. There was where there was massive uh, before the Unite the Right rally in Charlottesville. There was massive intel on every level. Police knew it. Activists on, activists on the ground knew it. That's why they knew to show up with the tear gas mask. They, they knew it was going to come there. And for some reason, again, the police did nothing. The Virginia State Police did nothing. And now we have, you know, I mean, we have massive messages coming out, uh, discussions between Proud Boys and uh, local police forces across the country that they're having just, oh, they do literally just chat before they have, hold a protest. And, and you know, this Zach- is a problem that, yeah. Go on, go on, please. Sorry. Oh, that means, but this is this is this is one of the biggest problems that I. Anytime I have a discussion about this, 
is that I end up emphasizing the fact that our police forces, the people who are supposed to be there to protect us against threats like this, they know the FBI comes out with intel intelligence every single year, every single year talking about who are the biggest threats. And they report every single year, even during the Bush or during the Trump administration, they report that white extremists across the country are the biggest threat. They are statistically not only most likely, but they are the ones that do by far more uh, physical threats with actual people getting injured and killed than than lefties or even um, Islamic uh, based terrorism. And for some reason, we just refuse to do that. Like you read the January 6th report. We don't have that discussion in there about what's going to stop the next January 6th. It's amazing. Greg, you want to do the closer on this? Where does this go from here? It seems like there's going to be no check on the violence. What I'm concerned about is that the committee is aimed towards putting everything on Donald Trump, who it looks pretty clear at this point, maybe a political has been anyway. And somehow the Republican Party, the the police establishment uh, are getting away with it. And the the ultra right. Yeah, they're going to they're going to they're indicting a few people and and uh, some of these guys will end up in prison. But the but the games being played by the GOP establishment with these ultra right factions, in addition to the fact that we, you know, look, let, let's put it out on the table. This couldn't happen unless there was some sympathy within those police forces. You yes. like Zach talked about the fist bumping between the Proud Boys and the, and the Capitol Police. This has to be investigated. And to me, it comes down to how come those guys, number one, how come there was no, in, in all the Ali Alexander stuff, I didn't see anything in the, in the testimony. Maybe I missed it, Zach, that said, how come you're on the payroll of, of the, of the Republican National Senate campaign. Where is this heading? And in addition, why did you ignore police procedure and let these perpetrators of crimes walk away? I'm not talking about, oh, you know, when Biden says, oh, what would have happened with black people? Yeah, they would have gunned them down. I'm talking about basic policing. People walk out of the building, you get their names, addresses, and you take their cell phones, which are the evidence, with all their selfies didn't happen. in the mayhem. Didn't happen. And they didn't do it. Didn't we have to find, this is systemic and not about a few crazy right-wing nutcases. Absolutely, and I think, and we'll, let's end with Zach uh, today, and I, I think, Zach, the fact that I could never get over is that there you were facing off in that car garage with the extreme right, <laughs> Jews will not replace us, right, and you're in a, a car garage that happens to be the garage for the police department, so, there were, so the garage is full, full of police cars while the extreme right is beating the living, well, you know, crap out of people, and uh, you're in a face-off that could have cost you your life, and where were the cops? They were upstairs in the station. Why, why did these I folks mean, I, feel comfortable doing this in a, in a police parking garage? They chose that parking garage for a reason. They knew that it was the police parking garage, and so... When you because they know that just like I mean, this is the same story of like during Occupy Wall Street, the report massive reports that basically the NYPD was getting messages about basically the, the, before Antifa was a thing. It was Occupy Wall Street protesters. Oh, they have knives. Oh, they're they're you know, they're going to attack police. They have plans to do things. All these things never happened. They were unarmed. 
and they build these conspiracies behind the police unions and that sort of thing, build these conspiracies behind any lefty protesters. But for some reason, the right wing, Oath Keepers and that sort of thing, who actually have firearms on them and have a stance that is explicitly anti-police as well. Like this Blue Lives Matter junk that they have been pulling for so long doesn't go along when when so many of their so many of their members are sovereign citizens and in kind of in that world where they don't believe that they are uh, able to be policed, that policing is for other people. And so, again, I mean, until we deal with the problem of white supremacy and white, white extremism within our own police forces, I don't know how January 6th doesn't happen again in, you know, whether it be in, in Atlanta, whether it be in Lansing, whether it be in uh, Oregon, wherever, this is going to happen again until we have some sort of protection against it. Listen, you guys, amazing reporting, Greg Palast, gregpalast.com, Zach Roberts, the photographer that works with Greg Palast, puts his body on the line so that we can understand a lot more of the information we need to know, which we're not getting, even though the committee did some interesting investigative work. They didn't touch this story, and it's crucial. Again, I'm Dennis Bernstein. We do the Election Crimes Bulletin with Greg Palast. He's at gregpalast.com. You might want to check that out. He's got the film Vigilantes, uh, and uh, we're going to keep on this story. Thank you, Greg. Thank you, Zach. Please stay safe. We'll talk to you both soon.